I have a friend, and that is how most letters go that are asking for advice. I'm just kidding, but this is how this letter went. A friend is asking for advice. Let me share with you what they are asking. Rick, I have a friend that I believe needs to make some changes in his life. How should I let him know what I am thinking? He is not sinning, but I believe he is making some unwise choices. If he changes, I think it would be much better for him. Now, I know that you have been in this situation. You have a friend, and you are observing their life, and you would like to give some input. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but this is a regular question for all of us who care about people. We want to love the body of Christ. We want to love those who are not a part of the body of Christ. And so the Christian is always strategizing, always looking for opportunities to speak into someone's life, to help them to be a better Christian or to help them to get to Christ. And so I want to answer this friend's question here, and I'm going to do that in this podcast. The title of the podcast is, Should I Say Something?, about someone who is messing up. You can read everything that I'm going to share with you in the article by the same name, and you can take your time. I have other articles here linked as well as we do with most of our articles. And so with any of them, you can read what I share with you, and then you can read a whole lot more if you wish. I also have an infographic inside of this article. Thanks for joining me, by the way. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. As always, if you want to chat about this, we have a place for you, a busy little community. You can ask your questions on our free public forum. Get your free username, free memberships for everyone. And if you log in with your username and password, you can get on our community forum and ask your question about this or something else. Let me jump into this because I did give him a response. Again, the title, should I say something to someone who is messing up? This dilemma here is interesting. Thank you for asking. When I think about a situation like this, five considerations come to mind. I'm going to list them for you. I did prioritize them in a biblically logical order. Of course, this is not an exhaustive listing. This is not everything that could be said on this matter, but these are five critical things that I want you to think about in the order in which I present them to you. I'm sure you can come up with other things, and I'm pretty sure that many of you would like to discuss this because you have somebody in your life, because you love people. And you want to help them, but you want to do it the right way. And so you want to borrow brains. You want to bounce things off others. And we are good for bouncing things off of. And so you're welcome to talk to us. But here are the five things that I shared with my friend in a biblically logical order. Number one, subjective analysis. The first thing that comes to mind is that there is a good chance that you are wrong or you are partially wrong. That's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about or when I observe someone else. There is a good chance, a strong chance. In fact, I would say there is a 100% chance of you being wrong or partially wrong about what you are observing. Now, hang with me just for a moment, and I will explain myself. It is always wise to have a reasonable amount of self-suspicion regarding our opinions of other people. 
I only know part of the information to make an accurate assessment of a matter. The reason I say that is because I'm not omniscient. I have a graphic here inside this article, and in the graphic there is a huge circle. Just imagine in your own mind a huge circle, and let's call that omniscience. Everything that can possibly be known about everything that you could possibly know. And then inside of that humongous circle is a little dot. And that little dot is what I know. And so whatever it is that you know about a person that you want to speak into their life, it's not everything because you're not omniscient. And that's why I say that it is wise and healthy to have a reasonable amount of self-suspicion regarding your opinion of another person. You only know part of the information to make an accurate assessment. God knows everything. And so whatever it is that I know, it is incomplete intelligence. There have been occasions when I have observed what I thought to be a certain kind of behavior in someone, only to find out that I was wrong. There have been other times when my opinion was close to right, but not exactly right, because I was still working with insufficient data. We need to be careful about what we are observing. If you handle this poorly, this is what I call the ready, fire, aim approach to beginning correction, to bringing correction to someone. And you do not want to do ready, fire, aim, do not be surprised if you learn that you may not be entirely right about your analysis. If your friend were committing adultery or if your friend was stealing from the poor, well, you, you would probably be more objective in what you are observing, but I'm not talking about that. What my friend is describing here seems to be something else, and that's where most of us live with the things that we are, are observing. We generally live in the murky, the ambiguous the 18% gray, which is a photographic turn, uh, uh, term, but we tend to live in this subjective analysis world, and so we want to be careful. I am not saying that you should refrain from saying anything. It is typically better to say something and be wrong than to say nothing at all. If you are a true friend, and if you have a real relationship, your assessment, whether it's right or wrong, should only deepen the relationship. If you really have a genuine relationship with someone and you're observing something in their life, then you need to be talking about it. But point number one, remember, is subjective analysis. Number two, be a sovereigntist. Remember that the work the Father began in your brother is not complete. The Lord will perfect it on some future day, but not today. And though he may be currently making a mistake, he might not be walking in wisdom on one particular issue, God will wonderfully finish what he has begun with him. You know where I'm coming from. That's Philippians 1.6. Paul says, I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe this? Are you a sovereigntist when it comes to thinking about your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you know that God is not only working in your friend today, right now, 
but he will finish what he started. These are essential perspective-altering questions that I am asking you. Now, while you are correcting your brother, as you do this, be sure that he knows you have faith that God will change him. You know that text in Philippians 1, 6? You know it's true, but as you are correcting him, make sure that he, he feels your faith for the process. Have you ever been reproved by someone and you felt that the person who was reproving you was not even confident that you could transform? They weren't correcting you from a position of faith like what Paul's talking about in Philippians 1, 6. When someone corrects me, I want to feel their faith in God for me. I want to know that they believe God is not through with me yet. I want them to correct me in faith, not out of exasperation. Now, I have done both of these. I have corrected people in faith, and I've co- I have corrected people out, uh, out of exasperation, and those are two entirely different things. Sometimes we correct people and leave them more hopeless than helped. Be sure to build up your brother as you are correcting him. If you believe that Philippians 1.6 is what the Lord is doing in him, he will fill your faith in God for him. The title of the podcast is, Should I Say Something About Someone Who Is Messing Up? The first thing I want you to remember is subjective analysis. You don't know everything that there is to know about that situation. Number two, be a sovereignist. What God has started, he will finish. Number three, self-righteousness. Never forget that you are the foremost sinner in this relationship. You know, like what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15, that he was the foremost sinner. If you get the log and the speck and the wrong eyes, meaning you see the log in their eye and the speck in yours, it will not go well for either of you. He is possibly doing something that may be a mistake. You, on the other hand, were the cause of your Savior's death, which is worse. Do not forget the cross when correcting someone If you keep the gospel in mind, you will correct him in humility. When one fellow sinner is correcting another fellow sinner, it should go pretty well. If you remember the mercy that God has bestowed upon you, you should extend mercy to your fellow sinner as you are reproving him. If there is a greater than, better than attitude with either one of you. It will not go well. And while you cannot control the response of your friend, you can govern your heart with the gospel. So point number three, watch out for self-righteousness. And then number four, mortification takes time. Your friend is not you. Now that too is important data. How long have you been walking with God? How long has your friend been walking with God? What blessings and gifts have you received as a Christian that your friend has not discovered yet or that he may never receive? You see, there may be maturity, personalities, even soul capacity differences between you and him. Be sure to guard your heart 
against trying to get him to become today what it has taken you years to learn and apply? Sometimes we can talk to people this way, quote, what I have learned in 25 years of walking with God, I expect you to know and apply to your life today. This is also great advice for parents. You take the 30-year-old parent or the 35 or the 40 or the 45 or the 55-year-old parent, and they are exasperated at the nine-year-old child. And it's like, what I have learned in 40 years of walking with God, I expect you to know and apply to your life today. Don't do that. That's bad, right? It is easier to talk about what we're doing well how we have conquered this or that in our lives, glory to God, while expecting others to do the same thing. Well, it just doesn't work that way. This is point number four. It's called mortification takes time. Be sure your friend is aware of your weaknesses, not just the things you have conquered. And those that's what you want him to do. You want him to be able to talk about his weaknesses? Well, how about if you lead by example and talk about yours rather than just the victories you have in Jesus? Number four, mortification takes time. And number five, encouraging correction. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. The Lord changes us primarily through his mercy, his patience, his forbearance, his kindness, the most excellent demonstration of this, con- of this concept of God's mercy is the execution of his son on a cruel tree. This act of his kindness is what led to our salvation. Be sure to be kind to your friend. Motivate him by grace, not by condemnation. Let him feel your affection and encouragement in a similar way that you have experienced the Father's love and support. Let him know you are for him as God is for you. If you can keep these things in mind, by all means, share with your friend your observations. It would probably be wrong for you to refrain from telling him what you are thinking. The key is how you present it. The title of the podcast is, Should I Say Something About Someone Who Is Messing Up? I've given you five things to think about. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.